Hello everyone, this is Simon with Midweek Devotions, a time for us to be in God's Word throughout the week and to be doing it together too. We're still on our little series on the names of God in the Bible, and this week we have one which might be a little less familiar than the ones that we've heard before. Uh, it's one that comes up uh, particularly in the Old Testament. It's when he's called God Most High, or the Lord Most High, the Most High God, or Most High on its own. We're going to think today about what it means for God to be the Most High. But before we do that, let's pray and commit this time to him. Uh, Father in heaven, we give you thanks that you are God Most High. Uh, would you help us today to think about what that means, uh, what difference it makes to us and our lives, that you would be the ultimate one, the final one, the greatest one whom we put our trust in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in 1931, the tallest building in the world was the newly constructed Empire State Building in New York. Uh, it was the tallest building in the world by some margin, uh, and there's actually a really great story that uh, revolves around how it got the record. At the time, in the late 1920s, there was a competition, uh, a competition of sorts, to be building the world's largest tower. It sort of represented the hopes and the anticipations of the American people as they put all their efforts into construction and buildings and doing grand things. It was sort of part of a revival of their optimism coming out of World War I. With the Empire State Building, there's actually a really interesting story about how it got this record. Uh, the story goes that it was in competition with uh, a few other buildings being built at the time. And the one that was finished sort of almost right before the Empire State Building was this building called the Chrysler Building. Now, in the original plans of the Chrysler Building, it wasn't going to be quite the tallest. But they were competing, right? They wanted to be the biggest one that there was. And so, and so the story goes that right at the end of the construction process for the Chrysler building, the designer and the owner, they revealed this 80 meter or something spire that they sort of plopped on top of the building uh, that no one knew was going to put there to suddenly make it uh, taller than other things. Of course, this whole time, the, those who were building the Empire State Building could see these things unfold. And apparently the Empire State Building was revised 15 times, 15 times in order to make sure that when it was finished, it really was the world's tallest tower. Now it actually held that record for a really long time. It was the tallest building in the world from 1931 to 1970. And it was taken over, that record was taken over uh, by the World Trade Tower, uh, which uh, we know obviously came down in 2001. But you can see I guess the logic of it, can't you? The human logic behind it, this idea, why this competition exists, that the highest building is the best one. The highest building is the grandest, it's the greatest. The highest building is the most ultimate. Well, today we're looking at this name of God, that God would be called most high. So what does it mean for God to be most high? And really in, in, in concept, in idea, it's quite similar to that, that to call God most high is to call him the greatest, is to call him the best, that to call him the ultimate. It's actually kind of this idea that there's nowhere else to go, no, nowhere further we could go if it were a scale or a spectrum or if this was the hierarchy of something. To call God most high is to recognize that there's no one with more authority to appeal to, that there's no one more powerful to look to. It's like appealing in the court of law in Australia to the high court. This 
place, this court that can't be overruled. Uh, that it's the end of the line, the final word. There's no more recourse after that. To call God most high is to see him as the greatest and the one who is above and in charge of and overruling everyone and everything else. And, you know, we can see that pretty quickly as we consider just some of the uses of most high in attribution to God in the Bible. We're going to look at just one passage actually today. Uh, the first use and the first appearance of this name or title for God in scripture. It's in Genesis 14. And I'm going to read you just a short snippet of that chapter uh, that uses this name or title for God. It's Genesis 14 verses 18 to 24. It goes like this. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord God Most High, creator of heaven and earth that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Anur, Eshkol, Mamre. Let them have their share. This is a little exchange between Abram and the king of Sodom, but it might help us to just have a little bit of background here, a little bit of context for this exchange of theirs. Abram, this is... Abraham before he was renamed Abraham. Abram has gotten involved in a fight between nine kings, four on one side and five on the other. And he's gotten involved in order to rescue his nephew Lot, who just seems to be getting into a lot of trouble. In doing so, as he gets involved into the fight, he actually helps one side win. And in these verses, in this exchange that we heard read, he meets with one of those kings whom he helped, the king of Sodom. And in this exchange, they're actually kind of making a deal. They're kind of divvying up the spoils of war, in a sense. And it's in this context that the term for God, Most High, is first used. Well, first, seemingly out of nowhere, there appears this high priest of God, Most High, right? This guy named Melchizedek. Melchizedek, that name, it actually tells us something. It's a name that means King of Righteousness. And we're also told that he is Melchizedek, the King of Salem, which means king of peace. The God and the gospel undertones here are pretty obvious, aren't they? This appearance of Melchizedek, the king of righteousness and the king of peace. It's a little sign here at the start of the story that this is someone who stands for what is right and good, someone who stands for God himself in a, in a way. He represents him. He is a priest of God most high. Melchizedek brings a blessing on Abram. And it's significant because God Most High is the one who is doing it, who is doing the blessing. God Most High is described here in what Melchizedek says as the one who blesses his faithful people, as the creator of heaven and earth. God Most High is the one who deserves praise and the one who fights and granted Abram's victory. To receive a blessing from God Most High is sort of naturally significant then in this way, because it's the God who can and the God who does and the God who will. 
It's the God who does not get overruled, whose decisions and decrees will not be appealed, whose decisions can't be overturned. God Most High is the God whose actions and plans are never overpowered. And that really is a, a gospel truth. It's a good news to us because this Most High God is the one who declares us forgiven, who says we are justified, uh, innocent, righteous, who tells us that we're at peace with him when we repent of our sin and believe in Jesus' death and resurrection. Is this Most High God who tells us that we can be saved and that no accusation, no thing in this earth can ever take that away. It's a gospel truth that the Most High God is the God of salvation. Now, there's more to this story, of course, and there's more uses of this name, God Most High, and so let's have a think about those uses too. The name, this title, God Most High, is used also by Abram himself. The king of Sodom makes an offer to him as to how to divide the plunder. He tells Abram that Abram can have all the wealth and the riches, as long as the king of Sodom can keep the people. And actually, this is a pretty generous offer. Abram isn't bound to all the people who had been taken captive. Uh, presumably, he really only was looking to rescue Lot, and so it's not like he really wanted all the people anyway. But the material goods, well, they were probably worth quite a lot. And actually, we can tell that it was enough to make Abram really obviously rich. But Abram rejects the offer outright, and his counter-offer is kind of pretty small. All he wants is his men and the food and the belongings that are rightfully their share. That's it. Why? Well, he says this in verses 22 to 23. With raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. Why does Abram reject this good deal? Well, it's because he follows God most high. And that means he will only do what brings honor to God most high. He won't accept this offer because he wants to make sure that no one could ever attribute his greatness or his wealth to anyone other than God most high. Not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, he says. Not even one cent, he tells him. That's how clear Abram wants to make it. He even raised his hand and swore an oath about it, he says. And he honored that oath because honoring the most high is the most highest priority. It's more important than all the earthly riches of the world. He isn't afraid to lose out on a good deal because he knows that what God will give him and what he then can give to God is a far better one. To call God most high is to call him the most important thing in all there is. It's not just about what he can do. It's not just about his power or authority. It's a status. It's about who he is and what he's made of, if you like. That he's above everything that people might worship or follow. In the ancient context, it's a statement that he is greater than the idols and greater than the so-called gods of the nations. That he's greater and therefore he's the only one worth serving. If we bring that idea forwards to now, to our time, to where we are and where we live, it's like saying that he's the one 
who we should put our hope and trust in. We might not have idols that we bow down to, or a pantheon of gods to choose from, but it really is something that we struggle with today too, because we also have a failure to see God as first, as most high, and it's often in how we believe in earthly, physical, everyday things. Great things, good things, but things that are not most high and are comparatively lowly. We put hope and trust in our wealth and resources. We put it in our money and our possessions, in owning homes and having jobs. We put hope and trust in other people, in family and friends, partners and spouses, even in colleagues and classmates. We put hope and trust in outcomes, in things working out the way we planned and toiled for and desired. And we don't always realize it, but we, we do. We build our feelings of security and safety and contentment around making those things work, around those things being the way that we want them to be. And the problem, of course, is that they just never are really perfect or right. They're never enough. And even the good of them is brought down by when they fall short, by how fleeting they are, by how inconsistent and irregular they can be. We often find our worries and fears getting the better of us. And that's because we're trying to secure our lives on insecure things, on things that are weaker and smaller and less worthy than God who is most high. Calling God the most high is acknowledging how far above and greater he is, how different he is to anything else we could look to in this world. And it's an acknowledgement that we ourselves aren't like him, that we aren't powerful or dependable or worshipable as he is, nothing is. But as Christians, the good news of the gospel of Jesus, of course, is that despite these things, we are invited in. We're invited in to meet and be with God Most High. That even though he is most high, and even though we are kind of low, he invites us in. We're invited to put our allegiance and to build our lives on the Most High and invited to put our hope and trust in Him, finding our security and safety and contentment in the knowledge that He is with us and helping us, defending us, that He's blessing us and has prepared for us an eternal future and home. Because He is the Most High God, we can have faith that serving Him is right but also good now and today and tomorrow in the future. That we don't lose out by giving up on earthly things that seem like good deals because we know that what God gives and what we can return is far better. So today let's make an effort to see and call out to the Most High God. By repenting of those things we find ourselves putting far too much weight on and also asking God to show us and to teach us and to grow us in how we can be looking to him as the one that we trust for those things that we need and are looking for instead. Let's commit that to prayer now. Father in heaven, you are the most high God. You are greater and more powerful and over all that there is. You deserve our worship and praise, our allegiance and our service. Lord, help us to repent today 
help us to confess today of those things that we are putting far too much stock in, those earthly things that are we, we are looking to for security and safety and peace. Help us to see that they can't give them to us, no matter how good they are. Help us to see that as the most high you can, and that you do, that as we look to Jesus on the cross, as we believe in his death and resurrection, we can know that you have better in store, that we can trust you and that we can look to you, that we can put our lives into your hands. And it's not just okay, but it's great. It's worth it. It's better for the lives that we live now and the life that we can look forward to as well. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it for midweek devotions today. We've got one more in this series on the names of God. That'll be next week. We'll see you then. Bye for now.